decided it was too boring for myself to even reflect upon, so I wasn't going to bore you with it by giving, giving it. So I gave a different one yesterday. But I didn't like that one either, so here's try number three. <laughs> you can come to the Latin Mass after if you want the fourth try. <laughs> this past Tuesday, I found myself in the emergency room for what I thought was kidney stones. I wish it was kidney stones. Apparently, it is a pulled back. A kidney stone passes and the pain's over. The pulled back muscle perpetuates itself. However, that's neither here nor there. While I was in the emergency room, and uh, Oak Hill got there, walked right in, was on the gurney, and was being brought to the CT scan within 10 minutes. I thought, boy, did I get the catbird seat here. I'll be out of here in no time. Nine hours later, when I finally did get out and find out I didn't have the kidney stone, uh, it's a, 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 an emergency room, I mean, I, I go to emergency rooms all the time to administer the sacrament. When you're on the other side of the gurney, it's a much more interesting experience. And I was I went for the CT, I was the only one in the emergency room when I went for the CT, CT scan. I come back and it was like the world exploded. Every bed was full. And one of the beds, there was a woman who was from, who was from an ALF who uh, had the beginnings of dementia, I guess, because she was crying, she was uh, saying, don't hurt me, she was saying she was upside down, all these things, which uh, sort of disturbed the quiet of the emergency room. And then as I was listening to her, I was thinking, how sad. This poor woman is all alone, she, had, she doesn't know what's going on in her life, and she's petrified. However, as I was reflecting upon this, her daughter comes. Her daughter comes in, and the daughter has not been able to see the mother for three months, because as you know, the ALFs are locked down. So this experience was a beautiful reunion of the mother and the daughter. It was a, it was a, you could see the love that was between the two of them. And when the mother saw the daughter, she wasn't that far out of it because she recognized the daughter and was talking, and they were talking about how much it was good to see each other and how happy they were. And the, although the woman had fallen and had nothing broken, they were keeping her overnight, to which I never saw two people so happy to stay overnight in the hospital <laughs> because that meant that the daughter was able to stay with her for that night. And so we see this beautiful, this, I, I experience this beautiful image of a mother and daughter love. A love that was powerful, a love that was tangible, a love that brought joy to that, that building and that room that we were all suffering in. However, Jesus tells us this morning, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son and daughter more than me is not worthy of me. What is he talking about? What kind of craziness is this? The most intimate relationship that exists in our human, in our human experience is the relationship of a family, of father, mother, daughters, daughters brothers, sons and daughters, uh, siblings. I mean, that is one of the most powerful. I mean, we call it in the church the domestic church. We call it the foundations of society and civilization. 
And yet Jesus is saying, no. But what Jesus is really telling us is that because of our woundedness of original sin, you and I do not know how to love properly. Our love for each other, even our spouse, even our children, even our family, is somewhat disordered by sin. And so therefore what Jesus is telling us is that he must be the priority of our life. He must be the first. Because when we have him in his proper place, then our love becomes purified. Then we truly can love father, mother, son, daughter, as we are supposed to love them, with, through, and in Christ. It is a very powerful recognition, and it is a powerful way of explaining once again what, what, what God had given to Israel at Sinai. Remember, there's Ten Commandments. The first commandment, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You shall know the gods but me. Then you have the fourth commandment, honor your father and mother. Honor, love, respect your parents. It is, no, it is not by coincidence that the first commandment is the first commandment. Because if you can't love God with everything, then the rest of this nine are meaningless, don't work. And so what Jesus is reminding you and me is that we are to love as he himself loves. There is no greater love than this than to lay down one's life for one's friend. We are to love in that unconditional manner which God loves us. Marred with sin, God still loves us. God still loves us when we do wrong. God still loves us when we don't agree with him. As I have hammered home, I think, often enough, last summer, who remembers last summer, anybody? But as I hammered home, I, I tried to hammer home enough, that there is nothing, nothing, nothing that you and I can do in this life that will make God stop loving us. Nothing. You can be an axe-wielding maniac, and God still loves you. Because God cannot not love. God, by definition, is love. And so therefore, as God loves me in my weakness, in my human, in my, in my sinfulness, then too I am called to love those around me who are equally sinners and sin against me. We turn on the news, we read the newspaper, and we look at the state of the world today. We look at the state of our own country. We look at the state of our own neighborhood and society, our own, our own town and cities, right here in good old Florida. And we look at it and we see a manifestation of hatred. However, my dear brothers and sisters, this manifestation which is spreading throughout this country and the world is a finger pointed at you and me. If you and I loved as God calls us to love, we would not have what we have today. And so what is happening in the world, we can put our arms, our arms up, we can go through all these reasonings 
of why it is happening and what it's all about. But the ultimate reality is that we have failed to love as God loves. Because love of God nails us to a cross. Love of God erases and eradicates our feelings. Who cares how you feel? Who cares? Who wants to love an enemy? Does anyone? Who wants to love an enemy? Put your hand up. Anyone want to love an enemy? No, no one wants to love an enemy. It goes against the grain. But who cares how you feel about this person? It doesn't matter how you feel. God doesn't say, love them when you feel good. Love them when it makes you feel better. No, he tells us love until it hurts. He tells us love until you're nailed on the cross with me. Love until your blood pours out. Do you and I love like that? I think if we're honest with ourselves, we must answer no. No. And yet, this is what we're called to as disciples. This is what we say, yes, I follow Jesus, I'm a Christian, I believe. Well, believe is much more than lip service. Belief is action. And everyone who encounters us should know that we are Christian, as St. John the Apostle tells us, by our love. They will know you are Christians by your love. St. Peter said it also in the Acts of the Apostles. So this morning, the word, of, the word of God is a challenging word for us, somewhat maybe of condemnation for our failure to live as we're supposed to live, but also it is a great promise of opportunity for you and me. It is a promise and a realization of how much God loves us, that how much he loves us even in our sinfulness, Sin does not make God stop loving us. Sin prevents us from experiencing God's love in a tangible way. And this is what we have to understand. This is what I hope, pray God, I pray God that each of us has experienced at some point in our life, that tangible reality of the love of God for me, for you, personally. If you haven't, ask him for it. If you haven't, pray to be open to experience it. Because God's ways are not our ways. And yet God, who loves us, does not want us to go through life thinking we're unlovable. And yet how many people out there feel that way? How many people feel that they are unloved by God? It is very tragic, and how sad, especially when you and I who profess discipleship in Christ Jesus, you and I who profess to be Catholics, nourished by the word of the sacraments, bring forth hatred, spew out divisive statements, instead of unifying where we're at. Now that doesn't mean that we can't look at the world and culturally reflect on what is going wrong with it. But what we must do, my brothers and sisters, is to separate. To separate the individual from what the individual is standing for, so we can love them as God loves them. It is the love of God. It is God's love for humanity that has transformed the world. But if I want the world to be transformed, if I don't like what I see going on in my neighborhood or around me, I must first reform myself. I must start with myself in that reformation. 
I must align myself closer to the heart of God and to love as he calls me to love. And this isn't Pollyanna, oh, I'm a Christian, I love God, yay, yay, yay. No, it's hard, it's difficult. It goes against the grain. It's the, and what does Jesus say? Well, he says, and whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. So, you know, the words of Scripture aren't, aren't in isolation, they're in a vacuum, they're in context. So Jesus is telling his disciples, you are going to be called to a higher standard of loving. You are going to be called to be living witnesses of the love of God manifested to this world of hatred and division. It is you, my disciples, who are going to do this. And to do this, you are going to have to take up your cross. To do this, it's going to be hard, difficult, blood, sweat, and tears. But if you are unwilling to take up that cross and love as I love you, then you are not worthy of me. Wow, that's like a punch in the gut. That's like a punch in the gut. This is what keeps me up at night when I can't sleep. And I ponder and I look at my life. And I look at how I failed. And I failed to live and to love as God called me to love. As I have, as I, as I have allowed the human standard of love to be how I live my life. And not the godly standard of love. The human standard of love is tit for tat. I'll love you if you do this. I'll love you and you do this for me. I love you. God says, God's standard of love is, I love you no matter what you do to me. I love you even if you're going to take my very own life and kill me. I'm going to love you. And we see these powerful examples, St. Maria Goretti. St. Maria Goretti, a teenager, a teenage girl who is stabbed over and over and over again for not giving in to Alejandro who desired to, to rape her. And as she is dying, she calls out for forgiveness. As she is dying and as she, as she is being stabbed, she is calling to Alejandro to save his life, to don't go ahead with this. That is how much she loved him. She loved him not to agree with what he wanted to do, but she loved him because she wanted him in heaven. Ah, now that's the ultimate goal of our love. Our ultimate goal of our love is heaven. It is heaven. And so therefore, to truly love someone means that I desire them to get to heaven. I desire them to be with God and experience that love. So when I interact with those who disagree with me, when I interact with those who might be going off the wayside, falling off the train tracks, what is my motivation for why I speak to them? What is my motivation to call them back? It is to prove the point that I'm right and you're wrong? Not going to work. It must be my desire for them to get to heaven. It must be motivated by the love of God. And that is what attracts us to those men and women who we call saints. Because they were able, even in their imperfections, to witness that powerful love of God. Something that you and I are all called to, called to through our baptism. So my brothers and sisters, this morning, let us pray and ask God to help us, first and foremost, to experience 
in a concrete and tangible way his tremendous love for you and me. Even with our imperfections, even with our idiosyncrasies, even with our marred sinfulness, let us ask him to show us how much he loves us. And so that immersing ourselves more and more in that love of God, you and I may be capable of being living witnesses to this world that cries out in its hatred, cries out to know the loving mercy and compassion of our God. If you and I, as disciples of Jesus, aren't able, capable, or willing to do it, no one else can. It is only with, through, and in Jesus Christ that we are saved. And that salvation isn't for a set few, but for all. Let us pray for that courage, strength, and perseverance which we need to show that we are truly Christians, truly disciples of the Lord, by our love for one another. Praise be Jesus Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.